0: Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the MCLD Shelf Logic Podcast. I'm Karen, a librarian with the Litchfield Park Library.
1: Uh, howdy, folks. I'm Matt, I'm a paraprofessional with the El Mirage Library.
2: And I'm Glenn, manager of the
0: Sun City Libraries. Thank you for joining us today as we discuss tips for running a tabletop RPG and highlight some of the materials in our collection that um, will help those who are interested in uh, being a game master we- for a tabletop RPG or those interested in improving their game.
2: And we're gonna cover a very wide breadth of topics. Everything from how to write a backstory, how to write the world, how to cosplay your character, all kinds of stuff, and it's, if you if you're listening to this and you're thinking they're just going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, well, we are going to talk about that, but <laughs> well, we're going to talk about some other stuff too. So stay tuned.
0: Absolutely, there's there's hundreds of different game systems out there, so some of the the topics that we talk about today can apply to all of them.
2: Yeah, so our largely our focus is going to be on talking about kind of the RPG elements like backstory, world building, and then from there we're going to talk a little bit about like encounter building and all of this is going to be kind of generalized to any rpg that you want to run so it could be a sci-fi it could be steampunk could be fantasy D&D, and then we're going to talk a little bit about D&D specifically because there's just a ton of those Absolutely. and then that's always a great starting that's point for grandfather anyone. That's
0: the RPGs, right?
2: Well, not really, but oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <And> <laughs> getting the mind. history lesson. <laughs> <all>. yeah, we, <laughs> but I, I, it is what we've got on the shelves, though. And I think it that's is. Crucial. Yes. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, we won't talk about actual historical war gaming because that's a little outside okay, of our yes. scope, but
1: <laughs> I think I saw something about that on Hoopla, but that's another episode. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole
2: other place in time. Uh, and then we'll talk just a little bit about some of our kind of Um, little esoteric things like how to cosplay and then kind of honorable mentions for for some other stuff That's not quite meaty enough to make it into the main the main groupings here, but we still think could be worthwhile
0: Absolutely. Uh, First, let's briefly talk about our experience with um, RPGs. I personally have um, had a few different experiences. I've been a player in a couple of different games as well as Uh, I DM a Dungeons and Dragons 5e game uh, for teens at the Litchfield Park Library.
1: I would say that I'm a self-taught game master. I started when I was, I think about the same way that most folks in the hobby do. I started when I was like 14, 15 in high school, running pickup games at lunch, and I've just been doing it ever since. Uh, I've I just started the El Mirage D&D Club. We're trying to get that Hi. up off the ground. It's awesome, every other awesome. Saturday. I don't know when this is going to go live, but as of this recording, it is this Saturday. <laughs> and it should be very exciting.
0: Awesome.
2: Yeah, and I same same thing with Matt. I started in high school. My experience has largely been the D&D framework starting in, you know, 3rd and 3.5 and 4 and 5th edition and now apparently Zero is coming out soon. So, so that's, D&D one? yeah, D&D 1? Yeah, horribly exciting. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, you said
0: something about that. That's that's so going to be interesting. For but
2: you. I, I've played a variety of other tabletop games, like the Fate system or Call of Cthulhu, which is always fun if you like dying. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love Star Wars. Star Wars doesn't matter what Star Wars—the d20 mm, version, yeah. the d6 version from way back when, this new one with the funny dice—that's my favorite. <laughs> I love fun. Star Wars.
0: <laughs> Very uh, cool. Well, let's start with um, RPGs yeah. and uh, just kind of how to craft either your backstory or your world. Um, or all of the elements that make the meat of your, um, your gameplay.
2: And there are three books specifically in this category that we're going to talk about. And they're all called the Ultimate RPG, and then subtitle. One is the Gameplay Guide, the other is the Character Backstory Guide, and the other is the Game Master's World Building Guide. And I think they each offer um, unique enough stuff that each of them is worth checking out individually based on on where you are in your game. I mean, you could be making the backstories or you could be making the world. I mean, either one would be useful. And then the Gameplay Guide is good for everybody.
0: Absolutely, I really enjoyed the Gameplay Guide. Um, I also loved the prompts that the book gives you. Hmm. If you kind of don't know where to start with the whole system of building a character or building a game, Environment or a world. It gives you prompts so you don't have to start from scratch. And that was uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about these books because sometimes I just don't know where to get started.
1: Everybody loves playing Mad
2: Libs.
0: Mm. (laughs) Yes. Exactly.
2: (laughs) And that's basically exactly what these books are. Like they have like sheets that you fill out in the book. Please don't do that to library books. Get your own copies if you want to do that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like. And if you like rolling dice, and if you're listening to this, you most likely do. Uh, there's plenty of prompts for that in these books too. If you are like hate making decisions, but you love rolling dice to make decisions <laughs> for you, they're just like the greatest rollable magical eight ball. Um, it's a lot of what's in these books too. There, there, there's like you know character prompts. It's like. What does your character feel very strongly about? And then you can roll a d20 and like, oh, apparently they feel very strongly about having enough onions in there.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and it actually, it, it really helps you kind of get in touch with what your character is about. Um, you might not really have an idea of what your character likes or dislikes. And once you roll for it and you're happy with what you land on, then you really can hone in on, all right, I'm going to play that up with my character. So
1: it's kind of a cool test of your own sort of character making ability too, of taking like these things that are, essentially they are randomly made, like you just roll the die and then going like, okay, but you know, well diegetically, yeah, I just rolled on a table to figure out who my character is. Why did that happen in the story of the game? So it kind of, you know, makes you work out your creativity muscles that way too, which is a
2: fun exercise. It is a very fun exercise, yeah. Um, One of the best things about um, these books is that you'd think that they would just be kind of generic for like here's generically how to make your backstory, but like it's specific prompts based on like what setting you're playing in. So you could be in you could be playing your typical fantasy setting, and then it'll be asking you questions like, what what do you what does your character think is honorable? How does his magic work? Is it fueled by rage and or blah blah blah? Or then you could be making a sci-fi one, and it's like you know how does this character know how to fly a spaceship, you know, et cetera, and things like that. Why, what is a lightsaber?
0: <laughs> they're really helpful tools. I, I think that they're beneficial, not just for um, tabletop RPGs, but even if you're just doing some creative writing and That's you need some, some prompts to go off of, I think these books would also be helpful in that aspect as well.
2: Yeah, and then the World Building Guide, same thing. Like it's also you know, highly specialized to, to the different kinds of worlds that you would th- be thinking about making.
0: Absolutely. Um, so let's move on to uh, specific uh, DM guides for combat. Um, some of my favorite materials in the collection are um, by Keith Amon. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he wrote a blog uh, many years ago. And he turned the blog was so successful and so well done, they turned it into a book. And the book is uh, The Monsters Know What They're Doing and it is, I find, one of the most helpful tools um, if you are a DM or GM, uh, because it goes into strategies for combat, um, what your monster knows, what your monster's stats are, and how those are gonna be utilized in combat.
2: I think one of the biggest traps that new or even experienced sometimes, DMs or GMs, I'm just going to call it DMs, yep. feel free to generalize that. I, yeah. I don't mean anything specific by that. <laughs> yes, um, anyways, so one of the traps that everyone falls into is a lot of people come into to tabletop gaming because they've been interested in, in gaming, like PC gaming, and so yes. they play these MMOs like World of Warcraft or whatever else they want to play. and. They run through these dungeons in these games and, and their characters just running through and like, oh, there's another room full of goblins, okay, beat them, move on. Okay, there's a room full of orcs, beat them, move on. But that's not how real life works. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I say, it's very, you're absolutely right, because a lot of times combat can turn into just, okay, everyone stand in your corner and whack each other until your number goes down to zero, when in reality, you know, the best combats I've ever run have always been on zany action set pieces right like yep. you know oh the ship is sinking and it's on fire and there's a tornado yep like <laughs> and, like that sort of environmental aspect and monsters know what they're doing is cool because it doesn't really get too much into that environmental stuff but it is also like okay but like these monsters are living creatures with thoughts, feelings, emotions. They aren't just gonna stand there and keep whacking until their points go down to zero. Mm, yeah. like,
0: Absolutely, I like that as well. It goes into if their deck score is high but their um, constitution is low, how they're gonna to react to that. Also, the book um, breaks down how your monster will react to different classes. It's gonna react this way to a wizard. It's going to react this way to um, a fighter and that was super helpful.
2: Yeah, this book is pretty phenomenal for that. Um, yeah, each, each, every living creature out there has like, you know, a, an environment it grew up in, a set of beliefs it grew up with, or maybe not if they're not terribly intelligent, like a bunch of wolves or something, but, that, and that shapes how they approach a fight. Like, if they have claws, then they're gonna fight with those, but if they've, you know, all, all they've managed to do is live in the forest, but if they live in a super dangerous forest, they're probably really good at evasion yeah. and setting up traps and that kind of stuff, Absolutely.
0: so. Absolutely. And it's important to keep that in mind when you're running a game because otherwise, like you mentioned, you're your NPCs, even if they're monsters, are going to just feel two-dimensional and yeah. you don't want your players to get bored and...
2: Right, now, yeah, you, so you go from beating a bunch of goblins up now, okay, now you're beating a bunch of, you know, direwolves up, or up or but whatever, like... Yeah, the wolves, uh, <laughs>
0: hyena
1: men, whatever's next. Yeah,
2: the, the kobolds, but nothing feels different. Like, yeah. the combat is just the same and they're all just kind of going, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I roll my attack. Oh, you hit, good job, okay, yeah. all, right, yeah, all
0: right. And I think a lot of DMs also forget, at least, of new dms that monsters will flee they're not going to stand there and fight to the death yep, yeah. and so if your monster is the type that is um is likely to flee then you should play that that character up um to how it was built so there's also a follow-up to the monsters know what they're doing called live to tell the tale and that's a combat tactics for players um, I actually didn't delve into that too deeply, but I'm sure it's equally as great.
2: I'm sure it is., yeah. uh, the one thing I will say about the monsters know what they're doing. This isn't a book that you would probably just pick up and read through. Yeah. <laughs> unless you're that kind of person who <laughs> uh, who really, really loves picking up old historical tactics books and reading those cover to cover. It's a very it's very technical. <laughs> it is highly technical. um this is this is more of a resource that you would turn to. Like, if you're like, if you're struggling with a combat and you're like, man, I've got these ogres, these these hill giants, like, what would they be doing? And then you can go look up hill giants in this. Like, oh, all right, (laughs) (laughs) great. Or then, you know, air elementals or whatever. You know, whatever you got. Like, everything is in there. It's like a thousand pages. This book is immense.
0: And uh, the blog is still up and running. So uh, I actually popped on there earlier today and got some really great information from the comments in there. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, this is a great resource. Yeah. Um
2: I would treat it like you do like a dictionary. It's something yes. you'll pull open and mm-hmm. reference. Like, oh, or I like the a
0: goblins yeah. a better.
2: Or like, you know, so. <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily read the, uh, the the monster manual cover to cover. <laughs> <laughs> I do
0: have a friend that actually did that. <laughs>
2: yeah, some people do, too. right? Yeah, <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And, I'm not and one if, of
0: those
2: people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either. But, but if I'm saying all this and you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta go get this book, then you know, go, go check it out, it's yep. on Overdrive. Yep. Uh,
0: another uh, resource that we have uh, specifically for DMs is the Game Master's Book of Traps, Puzzles, and Dungeons. So, I found this super helpful. I wish I would've found it, um, <laughs> well, it just came out, so I wouldn't have found it years ago, but it's helpful, it gives you traps and puzzles to put into your game. Um, and a lot of people struggle with um, coming up with puzzles. They do. And um, this has tons of them that you can just plop right into your game, kind of like a random encounter, uh, dungeons as well. Um, and it also includes three one shots in there. Oh, well. um, so if you're looking to start and you don't really want to develop a whole campaign,
1: or you don't want to do Lost Minds of Fandelver for the 30th time. <laughs>
0: yes
2: absolutely now my question for you karen mm-hmm. is if um if i'm a dm and i find my players struggle with even the most simple of traps does this book provide <laughs> advice for how to handle those situations as a dm
0: that sounds like you're speaking
2: experience. <laughs> no not, not possible
0: <laughs> <laughs> it does um there's all sorts of information in here that helps you kind of um, guide your players into uh, figuring things out um, it tells you yourself how the puzzles and the traps work, how it's disarmed, or um, how to get out of it. Uh, there's tons of GM notes in here that will help um, kind of guide your players if they're struggling with it. Um, it also flavors, uh, the book's flavored with um, descriptions, mm. so if you've, you're you going to plop this into one of your uh, campaigns, uh, it helps you with some of the descriptive um scenery and imagery.
1: I saw you flipping through it and I couldn't help but notice a, a trap called the drums of doom. So like, I'm already sold. Like you already did check <laughs> this out. What else it's, do you need? It's
2: cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It's certainly better than your typical, you step on a stone and an arrow flies at you. Or exactly. Etc. Uh,
0: so yeah, it's uh, super helpful. Um, Jeff Ashworth uh, wrote the, this one. There are a couple of others in this series. Um, this one is new to our collection, uh, but they also have one for um, random encounters and one for, I believe, NPCs. Uh, I have to hmm. double check that, but definitely the random encounters and the traps, puzzles, and dungeons, for sure.
2: You can never have enough traps and puzzles.
0: Never.
1: <laughs> and it's so hard to make them up too, because I
2: always feel uh, like uh, it's
1: yeah. sort of a thing where, like, you come up with a puzzle, like you don't want it to be too easy, yeah. <laughs> but then you get into territory of well, now it's unsolvable, right? Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, certainly better than my, my typical strategy of just Googling like uh, <laughs> undead puzzle. Yes, <laughs>
0: absolutely. Um, so I mean that for, for DM Guides, those are my, my top two picks for that.
1: I personally, uh, I don't know if we're ready to jump to this point yet, but if we're going to talk about sort of print materials we have on the shelf, sure, that's sure. like official sure. D&D. And believe me, I love Star Wars. I, you know, I'm a huge <laughs> guy, a huge Star Wars dude. I'm all about role-playing games that aren't Dungeons & Dragons. But I'm talking about what we got on the shelves, and what we got on the shelves is Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. Sure and is. if we're talking Dungeons & Dragons... If you're a player, probably the coolest thing they've published so far is Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Oh, Tasha's
2: Cauldron of Everything But
1: hot take, if you're a dungeon master, the coolest thing they've published so far is Volo's Guide to Monsters. Ah, uh, yes. Because that's got, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the monsters don't know what they're doing. It's got information on, like, this is what giant culture is like. This is what a <laughs> Yonti pyramid looks right, like. right. And also, it's pretty cool for players because they've got, like, Fear Bolgs, right. like all those other yeah. different races you can pick. So I'm a Volos guy. I love Volos.
0: <laughs> nice. We definitely have that on the shelves. Um, for d d content, I mean, in the last few years, I'd say we our collection has boomed.
2: It has, content. yeah.
0: And I mean, th- at the rate they're publishing um, campaign guides mm-hmm. and uh, resources, um, our collection development uh, folks have really done a great job of keeping... Oh, yeah. Fresh material on the shelves. Yeah.
2: In, in terms of the books that have been published by the Wizards of the Coast, I think as of right now we have everything. Um, I, I didn't check if we had Spelljammer. before I say, I, don't
1: this. Think, I, haven't, I haven't. seen Spelljammer yet. But I would be also shocked if we came out like yesterday. Yeah, so. I'd be, I'd be <laughs> pretty, yeah, I'd be pretty. Yeah, would
2: be pretty surprised if we didn't pick up a copy of that. But
0: sure, absolutely.
2: Um, I mean, and that would hopefully satisfy Matt for having you know the most Star Wars-esque D and D you Yes, of the D and D the most Star Wars you can get. So
0: <laughs> absolutely. Um, the thing I liked about some of the D&D content on our shelves is you can pull material out of it. You don't necessarily have to do um, a Ravenloft campaign straight out mm, of the campaign yeah, right, book. Right. You can pull um, Ghosts of Saltmarsh sure. and just run some of those encounters absolutely. as a one-shot. Yeah, um, So plenty of material that you don't have to make a huge commitment into.
2: And you don't even necessarily have to use this stuff for... A Dungeons and Dragons campaign. You can pull these encounters, and if you're kind of savvy about both systems, you can port them from one to another, which is uh, sometimes easy, sometimes not sometimes so much. The <laughs> best GMs
1: are really good plagiarists. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, how about enhancing a game, Glenn? Um, what what would you suggest for somebody who, they've got the world building down, they've yeah. got their NPCs, they've got their monsters, but enhancing the game, um, what do you what are
2: So you I'll doing? say, and I'll, I'll put a caveat in front of this, because this is certainly not for everybody and not for every group, so make sure you kind of take the temperature of your group, <laughs> if they would dig this or not, but once we start getting, once we, once you've mastered all of the, the game stuff, you can start letting that game bleed into your outside, the real world a little bit. And that's that's with creating decorations and costumes for your game. So Absolutely. really theming your whole night around <laughs> this I personally feel elevates this to just a whole nother level of nerd, Absolutely. which is where we wanna be, yeah. where I wanna be. But that being said, <laughs> um, not everyone feels that way. Not so. trying to exclude any jocks <laughs>
1: listening to the podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so not everyone likes the costume part of that, so that's totally okay. Um, yeah. Just you know, make sure you talk to them first. But if they do, we have a number of costume books in our catalog that I think you can check out. Some of these are available both print and digitally. Um, the two that I would recommend kind of getting started with is um, The Costume Making Guide by Svetlana Quint, who is her her costume name is Kamui Cosplay. Um, she's oh, nice. relatively famous, mm-hmm. um, probably one of the more famous cosplayers. She wrote a book, so... She, she's written many books, <laughs> so... Um, and then The Cosplay Crash Course, which is by... Um, Mina Petrovic, um, she's also relatively famous as well as far as, you know, people who do cosplay
0: are. And Glenn, you've actually done some um, virtual programs on cosplay. I have,
2: yeah. I'm I'm not sure how easy they are to find at this particular Mm -hmm. moment in time, but they they rotate through, so you'll probably find them in the the teen category or the adult category every so often.
0: And to hark back to one of our previous podcasts, if you're going to go all out and you want to include food... We've got tons of oh, cookbooks yes, absolutely. In, in the collection. Yeah, so go find there the Food a...
2: Fight podcast.
0: Absolutely, and so Dungeons and Dragons actually has a, a Heroes Feast cookbook. Right,
2: and if you don't, if you play in the sci-fi or other settings, we talk about you know yep. various you know Star Wars cookbooks or Harry Potter cookbooks, etc. Absolutely. So you know you can really <laughs> just do everything you want. Um, but to talk about these two a little bit. Um, Cosplay Crash Course. If you're gonna, if you're just getting started and have no idea what you're doing and have never done this before, is probably where I would start, because that one provides a very nice general overview to just kind of a little bit of everything. Um, so it goes into the sewing a little bit, foam a little bit, wigs, makeup, lights, all that. Um, it's not a very big book. It's probably like maybe 100 or so pages, which is to say that um, obviously it's not going to be super in depth on any one of those things, but it's a good place to start to see what you'd be interested in doing.
0: So, skill level needed?
2: For skill level this for, one? for this book, for both of these, is, is pretty low, okay. I would say, yeah. You, if, if you know your way around a sewing machine, mm-hmm. that's about all you'll really need. Nice. <laughs> If you don't know where that's
1: very high skill level. uh, I would probably hurt myself if I tried using a sewing machine, but maybe one day.
2: (laughs) Yes. Well, okay. Maybe let me put a caveat on that one then. Um, If you took home ec in high school, if that was a thing for you, you probably can do this.
0: Awesome. Cool. All right. So let's go into encounters. Sure. Um, Like I had mentioned earlier. Uh, Some people are a little intimidated to start a full-blown campaign, Um, so we actually have some materials um, in our collection Uh, One is called the ultimate micro RPG book. It's filled with 40 real quick and easy um, Kind of one shots or or real small campaigns um, of all types. There's sci-fi, there's um, the standard medieval, there's um, also kind of more along the lines of if you would think um, Super Mario, Mm. so like cartoonish Uh, um, games that you could play. Uh, As well as we have the Ultimate Random Encounters book. So if you wanted to pull something out of there, pop it in one of your micro RPGs, um, that's a great resource too.
2: If you couldn't tell from our titles, we are a sucker for anything that has the word ultimate in it apparently.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So yeah, so for encounters, those are my go-tos. You can also, like I said, pull encounters out of any of the um, Dungeons & Dragons content that we have on the shelf um, from Wizards of the Coast. There's plenty of um, Critical Role uh, campaign guides out there. I know that a lot of people are um, fans of the show, of the stream, and they like to kind of pull elements out of there that Matt Mercer's brilliant mind has come (laughs) up with. Um, He's on a whole different level.
2: I would say the most time-consuming part of the whole dungeon mastering experience for me is the encounters, because I like to try to make those special, and I also just try to improv everything else. Uh, But those I usually try to to make uh, beforehand, at least to an extent.
1: I yeah. said making an encounter is kind of like it's like cooking a nice meal, right? Mm. Like you have the you know you've got all these different cookbooks that you can choose from, many of them with the word ultimate in the title. Because <laughs> preferably with the word ultimate, at your home game, <laughs> your friends, do they deserve anything less than the ultimate? It's true. Answer no. <laughs> um, but no, uh, there it, basically it's all about taking. You know, is is making an encounter a cooking? Is it like cooking or is it like baking where one's an art and the other's a science? of course. I tend to be more on the art side of things, sort of just throw a bunch of stuff together, you know, be like, oop, I hope this works. But (laughs) it's nice knowing that if you don't have that confidence, if you don't have that experience to sort of kind of just get those gut feelings, that you can turn back and be like, oh, someone who, like, is smart enough to write a book did this and it works. Awesome. (laughs) I feel a lot better now.
2: Yeah, yeah, and especially if you want to incorporate like a whole bunch of different elements into your encounter, right? Like if your encounter is not necessarily just one single fight, but it could be, you know, a whole like crazy race through a mine shaft on a minecart where you know bricks mm-hmm. are falling on you and ogres are trying to slap your minecart and, and it's crazy stuff.
0: Uh, you brought up a good point about um, improv and uh, creating worlds that your players are going to feel a satisfaction of, of being involved in and improv is hard um, for a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) and we actually it's not something you would think about would um, go on these lists but we also have uh, materials in our catalog to kind of help you with improv and kind of get your creative juices flowing and kind of get your mindset on um, being able to just come up with things on the fly which
1: I was looking it up and it actually surprised me because I found one of our improv books was in the business section yes <laughs> I was talking about how the rules of improv that they that you know theater nerds use all the time could help you in the world of business but honestly help
2: you in the world of uh, role-playing games unsurprisingly too absolutely and I will say on the improv part the ultimate RPG gameplay guide does have a whole like not necessarily a chapter, but like a whole section, a mm-hmm. sub chapter dedicated to, to the improv and some exercises like the zip zap, Zop and that kind of stuff. So kind of some nice warm up exercises.
0: Very cool. Anything else you want to touch on? Hmm? How about well, what well I guess you've already you've already covered that. You said that Volos was your favorite.
1: Your that, favorite resource. Yes, for I do I do DVD like Volos specific? a lot.
0: And Glenn, what about you?
2: Actually I think after having done this and kind of flipped through and read some of these, I think the one that I was the most sucked into was this Ultimate RPG, uh, the Gameplay Guide, because it just, it talks about so many different little parts. And I went into this, I was like, oh, I'll just skim through this, because I was skimming through the world building Guide, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> but this one, I was like, all right, let me just skim through this, and then I was like, oh, no, I, wish I should read that. Oh, that's that's a good point. <laughs> um, so that was my favorite, because it really sucked me in a lot more than I thought it was going to.
0: Very cool. I see a book over there, Glenn, called
2: uh, Wonder Book. Oh, The Wonder Book. Yeah. this one this one was in our catalog and um, boy is it weird (laughs) Um, I don't even know where to start with this one is like the most surrealist interpretation of writing sure not just not not game mastering but writing like if you are if you are like if you listen to this whole podcast and you're like I haven't learned anything I've mastered all of this I know exactly what to do I just I want to know how to how to write the entire book that is the backstory of my my game world. <laughs> this is what you need, the Wonder Book, um, because it talks about just writing fiction in general—short sure. stories, novels, novellas, books, yeah. etc. So that that's. And there were some cool
0: illustrations in there. And, so yeah, maybe and this you is. Uh, craft a homebrew monster. You of- <laughs>
2: you might be able to. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. This this book has just tons of surrealist art in it. It has it's full of like. Quotes and and s- whole sections from famous um, famous authors that have contributed some some of their kind of ideas for how to write. Like there's some stuff from Neil Gaiman in here. There's some oh. stuff from Karen Lord. There's some stuff from Ursula Le Guin. So
0: sure. So you said Neil Gaiman, which reminded yep. me, Matt, earlier um, in our conversations, you had mentioned um, inspiration for stories or mm. campaigns. Oh you, yeah.
1: I, like I said earlier, every good game master is a really good plagiarist. Yeah. And every book you read, every movie you watch, TV show you watch, it's all stories. And ultimately, when you're playing a role-playing game, you're telling a story. Now, as the game master, you don't get to control what your players do. You don't get to <laughs> tro- control what the main characters do. But you're still constructing the rough skeleton. Yeah. And, you know, and also I think it helps your players too if it's the sort of thing where like, there's this concept called genre savviness Mm, where like people who are familiar with the story will kind of know, oh, this trope or yeah. these tropes will appear or if I behave in this certain way I'll get a better experience out of this because I won't just be like you know yeah yeah poking around confused like it's like oh this is a mystery story okay I get it that's why you introduced a thousand different characters these are all suspects yeah like yeah, exactly. that kind of a thing so honestly like just if you're a game master and you need inspiration go to your library Check out literally anything. It might not be exactly what you wanted, but it will make you a better game master.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Neil Gaiman has a book on Norse mythology, I believe.
1: Oh yeah, those on yeah. Norse mythology. I think he did want Greek mythology too. Mm-hmm. All those old myths, because, you know, yeah. bring it back to our yeah. history lesson, that's what it's all based on. <laughs> that's man, all. Yep. Is those, you know, mythologies from way back when. So if you read those mythic stories, that's Plagiarize, plagiarize, plagiarize.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so final question. Do you prefer to be a GM, DM, or a player? Game
1: master, I really do. Really? I like, wow. I like, well, it's when you're a player, you're kind of helpless. Cause (laughs) you're you're like, oh no, I only have like these powers and I actually have a hit point total, like what? Uh, Like, whereas if you're the game master, it's like, oh no, like I know what's happening behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I, I'm, you know, I don't know. I just, I, and I also just, I like world building. I like coming Mm -hmm. up with, you know, all these characters and all these plots and stories and situations. And then kind of like putting, it's almost like I like building a roller coaster, and then I like seeing people ride it, and then take it apart halfway through. Oh, I thought you were about like, to say,
2: look at the roller coaster, and then walk over to the carousel. And then walk over to the
1: carousel. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, huh? and then watch them screaming all the way down. I mean, that too, again, like, it depends on the group of people, but honestly, sometimes, depending on who you're playing with, I'm screaming on the roller coaster, and they'll do something. I'm like, oh, whoa! I did yeah, not see that they'll, coming. They'll be on the
2: roller coaster, and they're like, what if we just set the roller coaster on fire? And you're like, why would you? Okay, go ahead. And you're like, okay, <laughs> sure, it'll be more exciting. Let's do it. Like,
0: Absolutely. What about
2: you, uh, I, I do truly enjoy game mastering. Um, I it's a lot of work, though. Like it, it's a lo- it's. I don't mean it's necessarily a lot of work, because I <laughs> I do like to improv and wing it. But it's just it's a lot more involved and you have to think about things a lot more. You're you know, you're just sitting there, you know, on your drive home and you're like, Oh oh, that's a good idea. I should incorporate that later. But when you're a player yeah. you get to just kinda kinda almost, you know, just not have to worry about all of the stuff that could be happening or has happened, you don't have to keep track quite so much as the game Absolutely. master does. So it's it's it just involves a lot more brain yes. than playing does.
0: Yeah. I enjoy being a player. Um Having played in games before, and at the end of that session, I'm exhausted. Once I started to DM, oh my gosh, it was a whole different level. It's <laughs> a whole nother
2: level of, of exhaustion. exhaustion. Yeah,
0: I needed like 48 hours That's... of rest and just <laughs> recuperation time.
1: That's why you need to do what Glenn said, which is very true. Which is like when you're, because like you know, I'm running games for my friends right now. I'm like when I'm running games, it's constantly like pretty much every free moment. Yep. That I have, I, my brain just goes in that zone. I'm like, yep, I'm just you know, like, ooh, yeah, like I could that could be an NPC, or ooh, that could be, oh, wouldn't it be so sick if they had a fight on top of like an oil refinery or something, like in that James Bond movie? I oh just yeah, watched. absolutely. Like, and then
2: then and then just weird random thoughts will strap it, pop into your head. You're like, yeah, what if they fought a, a possum with a knife strapped to its back? And I'm like, No way, no, scratch that one. <laughs> scratch, scratch, scratch that. But You
0: absolutely. gotta think those thoughts. You do, yeah. You have to prepare for the. Um the weird stuff that you you didn't prepare for.
2: Um, yeah, and and yeah. I think I think that's a trap that a lot of people who say they hate game mastering fall into is like I have to prepare for everything. Like I don't think you do. I don't think you mm-hmm. have to prepare for everything. I think sure. you have to have a couple of contingency plans in your head yes. and then be able to adapt those are based definitely
1: on. Definitely important. The best way I think about it is you have because yeah, you know, your player characters they're the heroes of the story, mm-hmm. and every hero has villains, and as the game master, it's your job to be those villains so what you should do is basically be like okay these are my villains what do they want what powers do they have what are they willing to get what they want and then you just do that and it's also great because if you have players who don't want to ride the roller coaster oh well too bad like you know (laughs) people they love and care for are being hurt because they didn't ride the roller coaster because Good the time. villains don't care if you don't do the adventure. They want you to not do the it's adventure because that's how you stop the end of the world. Or, you know, you know, Sauron doesn't want anyone to go to Mordor. He just <laughs> wants to stay in the Shire. Right. Like. Yep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've discovered there's absolutely no shortage of great resources available in our collection. If you're interested in um, learning to DM or improving your gaming somehow, um, keep a watch on our website. Yep. Uh, we're always adding new materials. Always. Um, and to, if you are interested in finding if your li- local library near you has a uh, game that you can join, you can go to our website and check our program calendar Yep. Um, and see if maybe one of your libraries has a game running. And if not, you could always suggest that they start one up.
2: Certainly, yeah. yeah.
0: So, all right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And tune in next Monday for the next Shelf Logic episode. Thanks, everyone. Play Thank more games. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.